Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Stephen Nichols, president of Reformation Bible College. At RBC, our academic philosophy is rooted in the timeless paths of wisdom and truth, engaging the classic texts of history, literature, and theology. We care about training mature, thoughtful, and articulate young Christian men and women, and we believe that a distinctly classical education lays the groundwork for our students to thrive in society for God's glory. We also emphasize spiritual discipleship and living in purposeful community to help our students serve effectively as Christian leaders. You can earn a two-year associate's or a four-year bachelor's degree in theology. We also offer a one-year certificate program. Apply today to invest in an affordable education that will serve you for a lifetime. Please visit us at reformationbiblecollege.org. Hello, and welcome to Dwell, a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hi, Emily. The last time we gathered, we shared a conversation about classical education and what we mean when we say those words. And giving our children a classical education at home takes a lot of courage, patience, and hope. From curating a curriculum to creating book lists and science labs, the work of the homeschool mom is a worthy and often very time-consuming undertaking. But education is more than just an academic undertaking. And motherhood is more than just training and teaching. What about just plain old fun? And where does that fit in? So today we're going to chat about what a bit of merrymaking, perhaps you might say, looks like in our homes. All right, I'm going to go ahead and say in the first 30 seconds that I am not a fun mom. And I'm not being self-deprecating or offering a false humility. My children and husband would agree. I have a lot to learn about having fun as a family. And I'm looking forward to hearing from Renee and Karen about what fun looks like in their families. But for those of you like me who consider yourselves maybe unfun, also chat how to create a culture of harmony and joy in your home that encourages togetherness and maybe a little bit of magic. 
what do I mean when I say fun? Let's go with this dictionary definition. Fun is defined by the Oxford English Dictionary as lighthearted pleasure, enjoyment, or amusement. I love this part. Boisterous joviality or merrymaking. All right, here we go, ladies. Let's have a little fun here together and just talk about why does having fun together as a family matter? Why do we do it? And what is its purpose? Someone want to start us off on that? Sure, I will. I think it's important to know the difference between work and fun. And as homeschool moms who work very hard at teaching our kids and planning curriculum and grading papers, and then you add all the other household duties on top of that, work takes up a large part of our day. And I think it's important to let our families know and and to demonstrate that there is a place for joy and fun outside of work and, and that it's okay to say, okay, we're going to work hard on these lessons. And when we're done or when the timer's up or when the school day's over, we're going to go outside and play or we're going to do something that's not school related. Just having fun helps us appreciate hard work because it offers a contrast to it. I'll add that having fun together fosters unity. It fosters the children recognizing that you actually enjoy being with them. And I see this in when I'm with my grandchildren, I'm with Larissa's girls three times a week. And when I get to their house, you know, it's time to have fun. And and I'm often tired and I, I don't really want to have fun. But when I get on the floor and play with their, um, oh, what are those little critters? They're not called little critters. Um, those little toys, the little animals with their house. Or I play I Spy. We look out the window, watch mom leave, and we play I Spy. Or we play hide and go seek, and I hide in the same place again, and she still can't find me. I I see in their face that they are having fun with me. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm really not that fun, so I don't know why they're enjoying this so much. But it's it fosters that unity and that relationship in a in a different way than we would, you know, just going about regular life. Oh, I'm thoughtful of what you said there about how it grows relationship. And I was thinking of that book, uh, Leisure, the Basis of Culture, and how leisure is so often associated with that's when you have fun, right? It's not fun when you're working. You have fun when you have leisure time. And how so much of leisure time is a restful time and how that is so important in who we were created to be. And it is truly just really sparked that thought when you said that, Karen, about how it builds relationship. And working with someone does build a relationship and a bond. But often as a mom, when you're working with someone, you are, okay, let's be honest, you're like telling your kids what to do, (laughs) right? But in your leisure time together, it is very relationship building to say, through our fun, I like you. I'm glad I'm here with you today. We're having a good time together. I think, too, that it puts you on the same level. Like if you're at a board game with your children, you're all at the same level. You all follow the same rules. And, and mom's not making the rules. You're all following. You're, you're unified around this game. And you're, it's almost like you're equals. And so, for example, my grandson, Coulter, loves chess. And I have never liked chess. And so he had to teach me he, when he was seven, he was teaching me what all the little chess pieces could do. And then he finally, in frustration at me, said, Mommy, 
I'm just going to write this all in a three by five card for you. And so, so that, and that was really fun to hear him say that, but it, it, it does kind of level the playing field in terms of authority and all the regular ways that we relate to, to our kids when we actually play something that has rules outside, outside of us. And Karen, I think you're right. The other thing that it does as far as leveling the playing field is it helps all of us learn how to adapt to one another's. We, we have to be flexible, basically. So, you know, when you play cards or you play a game and you're like, well, this little one's going to be on my team because that's really a better way of saying, you know, you can't do this because you're not old enough, but you'll be on my team and we'll do it together. Or let's, you know, change the rules just a little bit to accommodate this person who's going to be playing with this. And, and I think everybody gets the idea that this is a group activity and we want everybody to, to enjoy it to have fun. And that means some flexibility. And I think that's a really good life skill that we can teach and, and model for our kids is that idea of being flexible and accommodating. And then as far as building relationships, it's, you're right, Emily, about leisure being, this is not just, you know, I'm going to take a break and, and veg, right? And there are times when we do that, but this is a little more maybe intentional is a good word that, um, you know, we're, we're pursuing this activity together for fun and enjoyment because we have the time and the space to do it. And yeah, there may be other times we go to our room and read a book and just have some quiet downtime because we need that too. But um, I think it's important as moms to recognize that it's not all about, you know, vegging in our rooms versus working hard in school. Sometimes it takes planning to have fun. And, and we have to intentionally make make room for that. One more thing about the purpose is I think that having fun together can be healing so that if your family's going through a difficult time or maybe two of the children aren't getting along well or somebody's having a, their own personal issues to deal with and you come together and you have fun, it, it can be healing to just laugh together. And kind of come down from all the serious issues and just have fun. Um, for example, my, both my daughters have been home a lot um, for about the past year. And one evening, Larissa and Katie and I were playing Scatter Boys. And I don't know, it's not particularly a funny game. But somehow or another, the three of us were laughing hysterically to where we couldn't stop laughing. And they had been, you know, coming out of really difficult, sad things and to just laugh was so healing and Andrew heard us upstairs and he, when I came up later, he said, it was so great to hear the three of you laughing together because we had been burdened by really heavy things. And so there's, there's healing in just that lighthearted laughing and doing something fun together. So one of the words I kept noticing um, coming up here was we're talking about fun, but the word play keeps coming up. So it seems like there is definitely a connection between playing and children are naturally so gifted at play. It's just part of their makeup. It's just, they know how to do it and talk about, you know, leveling the playing field or maybe reversing the playing field a little bit in all of our interactions with homeschooling and training and running a house are us instructing. And it seems there's so much that we can learn from our children then as far as what does it look like to play? So whether it's playing games and I wanna hear, um, I actually really wanna hear from Renee about what that looked like in their family. I do think most children do love playing games and whether it's the competitive, whether it's just the fun, I'd love to hear like, what did playing games look like 
in your home, Renee. And then, Karen, you had mentioned this earlier, just the importance of knowing your children in that maybe some kids don't like to play games. Maybe some moms don't like to play games. I might be raising my hand right here. And then, you know, what did that look like in your home of getting to know your kids of who who likes what and what's fun for one kid may not be fun for another kid? And how did you navigate that in that you have one kid who wants to play games all the time and another kid who's like, I hate playing games. What did that look like? You know, growing up with, with five kids and uh, one income family, big fancy vacations and big, big costly experiences were not part of our family culture growing up. So the kids, you know, game night is a pretty inexpensive form of entertainment, especially if you have another family, maybe friends from church or your homeschool group and you invite them over and, you know, the kids play games for a while or you put the kids to bed, the grownups get to play games for a while. So one reason we played games a lot is it was cheap. <laughs> it was a pretty cheap, you know, pop some popcorn or make some cookies and you can have people over and it was a fun kind of entertainment. On the other hand, there there are, you know, in, in our family, there are, I've got two, my two sons love chess and, and they're good at it and they love to play together. Now they're grown now and in two different states, they still play chess online. I think that is so neat. And I love, love hearing my adult kids doing that together. My married daughter with the five kids, they're a real game family and they love games. And Katie and Josh grew up playing games and that's just part of who they are right now. And their kids, you know, the same thing. So uh, my um, husband and I don't play games as much as we used to. We kind of settled on a, a truce where I won't ask him to play trivia or word games because <laughs> I'll win. <laughs> And he doesn't ask me to play things that, you know, he goes, I'm not going to enjoy. We settled on cribbage. Lately, we're into a cribbage kick because it's a two-person game that doesn't take a lot of equipment and there's no long-term thinking strategy, really. And so we're really enjoying our little cribbage time every, you know, every night before for dinner. We'd love to, when we get the Facebook page up and running, because we've mentioned the Facebook page, the Facebook group for this podcast, we'd love to hear y'all's favorite games, people who are listening, you know, what are some things that you've enjoyed? I, I'll have to report back. I, I just uh, bought a game to play with my grandkids that I'm going to visit this weekend. And uh, it's called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. And I've never played it, but it's under $10 on Amazon. And it has like 17,000 five-star reviews. <laughs> so we're going to- we, we have that game. Do you? Are you going to tell me it's not fun? My kids love it. Okay. No, my kids love it. Yeah. I have, I'm, I'm going to speak in a second about me being a non-game mom. Okay. <laughs> just, I'll, I'll vouch for it. <laughs> it's fun. You'll have to let me know. But there are other things you can do besides playing games and have fun. Okay. One, one time when my kids were little, somehow we, we amassed a collection of McDonald's gift certificates for ice cream cones. I don't remember what that, how we ended up with so many ice cream cone gift certificates. But one day, you know, we were homeschooling and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, these are all going to expire today if we don't use them up. So we piled everyone in the van and drove around to every single McDonald's we could find in like a five mile area and bought ice cream cones and had ice cream for lunch. And we were just like, everyone probably had two or three ice cream cones for lunch. We were full. We we're like, okay, but we used up those coupons. We were not going to let those coupons go to waste. I still kind of remember that. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, fun Fun can happen spontaneously. It doesn't necessarily have to involve a board game. Sometimes you just be a little crazy. So Karen, as much a game person, what, what was that like in your house? Of What did fun look like? We liked word games. So currently, Codenames is a really great game for 
I would say teenagers and up. We like categories, any kinds of games that we can all sit around on the floor in the living room when everybody's over. It doesn't require a board, although I guess code names has a board. But when they were young, I think some of the things that we did to have fun was, well, we did play board games. Um, but I think going outside together, um, going to a park. Even spontaneously going for ice cream after dinner, you know, instead of going to bed, let's all go get ice cream. There is a ice cream place that years ago going to, and it's just a little hole in the walls where you walk up outside and it's soft serve. And it's not like fancy Baskin Robbins. It's just the cheap little ice cream stand that's been there for 40 years. And we started taking pictures years ago on a particular bench and at least once or twice a year for a long, long time. Whoever came with us on that night, we'd take pictures on this bench. And it got to be such a tradition that people would be like, oh, I got to be in the current family picture at the ice cream place. Because often whoever was over with us came. So we have all these pictures that, you know, different boyfriends and girlfriends. And we look back and laugh now and different grandchildren. But like that is just such a simple thing to do spontaneously or planned. But when you go back to the same place and when the kids were little and we lived in Green Bay, we always went to the same park. It, it became known in our, our family as let's go to that park where we throw stones at Matt's head because twice when the kids were skipping stones, stones hit Matt's head. And at least one of those times we had to go get staples or stitches or whatever. Um, but those kind of family Traditions grow out of having fun together. And sometimes it's not even intentional. Like the fun just happens and then you want to repeat that. And so you go back there or you do that thing again. And it's not even something that mom or dad has to plan. Those kinds of things happen. You have to be willing to do them again when the kids say, oh, let's go do that again. But you asked me what to do when not everybody wants to do the same thing. And I think that if you have, you know, any number of children, you're going to have that issue. And if it's going somewhere or participating in a group activity, it's like, no, you're just going to come. You know, you maybe don't want to do it this time, but we're all going to go and we're all going to do this. And before you know it, that child's having fun, too. But of course, there's also knowing your kids. And so we have one daughter who does not like surprises. So we would never plan a surprise birthday party for her. But there are other kids who that would be really fun for. So... There's some of that where you have to know your child and, uh, and make the fun. If you want to honor somebody with the fun, make it something that they really actually want to do. Well, and that goes for parents too. Cause I, I know there, there are families that love camping, for example. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm not a camping person. I think that to me is, that would be torture, not fun. But you know, if you're a camping family, that's great. Go for it. You know, maybe one day I will grow up and, and learn to love camping. But I think the secret is it's something that mom and dad love to do. And they bring the kids along and say, hey, you know, we're, we're doing this. Let's go. And, and if mom and dad love it, they're going to have a good attitude toward it. And that's going to be infectious, right? So, yeah. Emily, I, I bet you are more fun than you think. I mean, you said you love to take walks. I mean, I take one of your kids with you. I'm sure they would think that was fun to get some special time with mom on a walk. Or It looks different depending on what your family's like. So that idea you mentioned of finding the things that you love and just doing it with your kids. That's, that's true with homeschooling too, right? The subjects that we love the most often our children love the most because we, it's just infectious in that, you know, I might love, I love humanities and poetry and all of that the most. 
and I'm definitely passing that on to my children. I think fun can be the same way. I mean, you mentioned board games. You love board games and your children love board games. I'm not for, I'll, I'll just speak for all the moms out there who don't like board games. You're okay. That's all right. There are, there are other ways of having, we, we have a little slogan as a family together is better. And there are other ways to join together. We actually, we actually do like camping and finding those ways to encourage unity. And I loved what you said, Karen, about your ice cream outing that became a tradition. And just this idea of tradition, like kids love that so much. And in fact, if we do things more than two times in my kid's mind, like that is a tradition and now we are doing it and that is fun. And whether it's small things that involve celebrations, celebrating milestones, my son just got his driver's permit. So we had like a big party that night just to celebrate him and how important he is and encouraging celebration and tradition and just the small things. And there's big things in that too. And we could talk about that. We could talk about the the church, celebrating the church calendar and how there's a lot of joy in that or just holidays. I mean, every child thinks Christmas is fun. There's just something fun about that. But you think a lot of the reason our children think that is fun is we as moms and families have made it fun for them in the traditions that we keep around those holidays. So I love that idea of creating small traditions or maybe not even creating them, just running with it and let it be. So what what have celebrations and traditions look like in your home? Well, they always involve food. (laughs) Food's always good. If we're celebrating something, um, I know tonight's my husband's birthday dinner. I'm going to go make a pie. It's fun to cook for other people and having those special foods that we associate with a certain event. That's always good. And, but it, it doesn't have to be a big deal. I mean, one thing my mom did for my brothers and I when we were growing up on Valentine's Day, she would make a little heart shaped cake and hide it somewhere. And then we had a treasure hunt with clues. And I, I seem to remember it always ended up in the dryer, but it, I could be wrong. <laughs> she, would, she would write little clues and we would run around the house and find the next clue, you know, and then we'd end up with cake for Valentine's Day, which I thought that was very sweet. And it, it's a fun way to celebrate a hobby, holiday that's typically about, you know, romance and going out on a date. And but we got to eat cake. Yeah, just having special dishes. Is, is a, a tradition that we have our, in our house and not, not necessarily, I'm not talking about the food we bake, but dishes, servingware. It's like we have the Christmas plates that come out at Christmas and then the Thanksgiving platter that comes out in the fall or the, the Valentine's day plates that we use, you know, this time of year. So having certain traditional things that we pull out is a lot of fun. Karen, what does celebration look like in your home? I think it's, it's being together. And so one of the most fun things that we can do, and maybe it's just the stage that we're in, is have everybody there. And so somebody who lives far away comes home, then everybody wants to come over. Or when Katie was an African, she would come home. We would just all be there and everybody would want to be at our house as much as we could. And so we would come up with like, oh, let's everybody come back come for brunch on Saturday or let's let's have everybody come over and, and we'll make pizza. And this is one of the, the real joys that I see of making the effort to do things traditionally as often as is called upon, depending on the tradition. For example, every Saturday night when the kids were growing up, I made homemade pizza. It was just what we did. And they have such great memories of that, that recently when everybody was home, 
we had pizza night on a Saturday and I didn't do any of it. Like they all, they all did all the, all the pizza and they're all very particular because they're all good cooks about the dough and about the toppings. And yeah, they really actually take it a step further than I did and they make it a bigger deal and it's an even bigger deal when everybody's there. And so, you know, when we were just always our little nuclear family of Andrew and me and our kids, we were doing those things. And at the time I wasn't seeing how this was going to grow and become a much bigger thing when we involved, you know, grandchildren and spouses and, and how this particular simple thing of pizza on Saturday night was going to be such a big deal 20 years later still. And you can't always guess what that's going to be. So you do all the things and then you wait and see what grows. Like my mother-in-law had a popcorn bowl. It was just one of those plastic bowls from the sixties and daisies on it. And when the kids would go over there, she would always use that bowl to make homemade popcorn. And when we think of homemade popcorn, I always see it in that bowl. And then she gave it to us and I was snapped. And I'm sure all the kids are like, why did, why did David get popcorn bowl? <laughs> um, but that's such a simple thing that, that she always did these things. And that was one of the things that they attached to. But you don't always know ahead of time, at the time, what, what is going to make the biggest impact. Well, it seems like there's this, this keeps coming up. We always do this. We always do this. And how kids do hold on to that. I asked my 15-year-old um, this morning, I said, what do, you, what do you think, what's fun for you as a family? What do we do together that you think is fun? And I had no idea really what to expect, you know, as I'm like the unfun mom or something here. And everything that he mentioned was something that we all do together. And that is something, and you think like for a 15 year old, there's probably other, a lot of other fun things that he enjoys. So I know friends, music, whatever it is. Um, but those are the things that stand out. And especially when you get into the teen years, I have found that is a lot trickier. It's a lot harder to do things all together as a family when this kid's going here, this kid's going there. Um, it's easier when you have little bitties and they're not going all these places, but really seeing how those years are so important. Um, one of the things that we do is that we cook together and that, and it's like a requirement that everybody has to participate. So everybody's in there, everyone's making something, doing something in our teeny tiny kitchen. And that's just turned into this fun family occasion. And like I said, you do it two times and it's a tradition. And if you ask my kids, what are one of the things that you do together as a family? We've probably done it like six or seven times. And they're like, this is the thing my family does just like you were saying, Karen, pizza night. This is the thing that my family does. And it really does just, just tie you together. And it just, and for all I say about, you know, I don't like board games or whatever, back to the beginning, what we were saying, how unifying those times of fun and leisure are and how they like knit your hearts together somehow. But then on top of that, We'll throw this out there. And I, I'd love to hear what you what this looks like in your own families. Some of these things come up. You schedule fun, whether that's vacations or whatever. There's a lot of scheduled funds. And I think moms are good at planning out those things. But what about just kid fun? So a couple of thoughts on that before we end. What did just creating time for your kids just to have their own fun and space, what did that look like for y'all? I think that homeschooling really 
fosters that because they have time because and they're together they they don't need all the kids in the neighborhood but sometimes the kids in the neighborhood would be involved but having the time and the imagination to play outside is something that many children don't have anymore they're even they're either overscheduled or it's not safe to go outside or they have to have mom with them you know, or they have to go to the park to have fun. But I'm really grateful that we were able to just send our kids outside in all kinds of weather when we lived in the north and it would be very, very cold. And they would just be outside imagining things in some strange dress up thing going on, <laughs> playing George Washington crossing the Delaware, whatever they were doing. And just to be able to get in, just to be able to get together in their own heads and make up things to play. Like there's so much value in that. And I was never involved. I would watch out the window and laugh at them because they were so funny and cute, but I didn't ever have to orchestrate it. You know, they might come in and say, we need this particular item to pretend it's this. And then I help them find it. But it, it was so much independent, imaginative play that we just have to encourage kids to do. Oh, yeah, it was so fun recently. I when we, you know, down or gathered everything up for our big move, and we're going through all the stuff, all the kids toys. And it was so fun to gather them together and then, you know, take them like Katie's kids love dress up. So they got the bin of dress up clothes and going through all those with them and the girls, you know, eyes light up. And it was the funniest little amalgamation of collection of crazy things that we had just collected over the years. We, we had a band uniform. We had the Bible costumes. We had the knight and the princess costumes and all of that. And just to, to watch the next generation enjoying those was a lot of fun. But yeah, I think Emily, like you said, just, just creating the, the, the place for the kids to be able to just have their own opportunities to imagine things. And, you know, in some families that'll look like maybe you're the family with all the art projects and you have all the art supplies and, and mom doesn't care if there's glue on the carpet and, and paint everywhere or whatever um, that looks like for you. Or, you know, maybe you're the building science family and you have the blocks and the electricity kits and, you know, the kids do science experiments and I don't know, blow things up in the kitchen maybe or whatever, <laughs> whatever they like to do. One of my kids loved to bake. And so for her, fun and imagination was getting the run of the kitchen and being able to create something. Yeah, it's going to look different, but as long as I think we try in some way to provide something, then, then God can use that. It seems there's a, a secret magic to childhood in that there's a time and place to say, let's have fun together. And then a time and place to just watch that fun happen outside of yourself and your children. The other day I walked into my girl's room. I hadn't heard from them in an hour or so. And I was busy working on something. So I thought I better go like check in on them to see, you know, maybe we should do something together. I should read aloud or do, you know, we should have fun together, do something. And I walk in and their bunk bed is all like covered in blankets and they had built this huge fort and like I peeked my head in and Hey, what's happening in here. And it, it was another world. They were gone, you know, they were gone to another place and realizing, creating time for them to have their own fun, create their own worlds. And like you said, Renee, whether that is engineering and science or art or imagination, um, for our family, a big one is just getting outside and having space for that. 
just watching the wonder of childhood. And just as we wrap up here, realizing what a gift children are to mothers in teaching us to have that leisure time and that fun and to let go of some of the burdens of life, as you said, Karen, when you were just laughing with your girls yeah. in that game and that our children give that to us. We're always thinking of what we're giving to them and we're going to provide fun for them and all that we're pouring into them and sacrificing for them. And just the beauty and joy of that merrymaking and as the definition said, joviality that they so naturally have and are so ready and willing to participate in with us. It sounds fun. So next time when we gather together, we'll have a little bit more of a serious topic. We're gonna to talk about um, habit training and what that looks like practically in our homes. But until then, here's to home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.